Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Screen Heroes episode 104. My name is Derek, one of your regular weekly hosts. I have my two other hosts with me, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hi. And we have a special guest, Mike Weaver. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for uh, moving the episode back for me. No problem. It wasn't simply for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ryan Ryan wasn't going to make it either. I wasn't going to die in a fiery crash because of ice. That was not an option for me. No? Well, I would have taken that bullet. Honestly, I would have. Well, (laughs) I could have been doing it with Rachel and Derek alone because I wouldn't have been here. So for anyone who's listening, if we sound a little different, we're trying a different setup. This week, uh, we have moved the mic off the table because people sometimes bump the table. So hopefully we come in loud and clear and everybody is happy with the way everything sounds. So we are talking Black Panther, the latest MCU film. Uh, Came out, it's had two big weekends now at this point. So we'll talk a bit about its opening weekend and things like that. But before we do, let's talk news. Kevin Smith almost died. Yeah, that that was interesting. Really, I didn't hear that. Yeah, he had a massive heart attack. He had a blockage in his LAD, or better known as the Widowmaker. Most people don't survive those. Yeah, he was very very lucky to uh, to make it through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did some live streaming from his hospital bed, which I mean, that's that's a level of dedication. He did. You know, he loves his fans. He does. Yeah. Um, there were some weird, of course, like nothing can happen without some controversy. So Chris Pratt tweeted him, um, that, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but wished him well and said, and said that he he was going to pray for him, which uh, people who know Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith's a bit of an atheist. Um, Kevin Smith used to be a very devout Catholic and that's where dogma came about. Chris Pratt is a devout Christian. Yes. He was just trying to be nice. He was. But people attacked Chris Pratt all over Twitter because no one can say anything nice anymore, apparently. But he still prays when he gets on a plane before it takes off. Kevin's on the edge. He's not... Right. I, I wouldn't define him as a hardcore atheist. I'd say he's hopeful agnostic. There you go. So... Either way, if someone was, like, wishing me well while I'm in a hospital bed, like, thank yeah. you. By whatever, <laughs> by whatever manner they're going to do it, like, it doesn't really matter to me. I, I hang out with a lot of poets, so when my car wouldn't start, I was like, send me positive vibes. I, you know... If it doesn't help, so what? You know, for for somebody who is actually religious and not just a politician, the thoughts and prayers is a lot for them. You know, they're truly taking time out of their day to wish you well. So it's not just a blanket. I hope you're doing better. I'll think of you later. 
you know, it's not just a copy and paste response. He he actually was hoping that he'd do better. What yeah. a ridiculous controversy. I mean, you know, just on the record, if Chris Pratt wants to send thoughts and prayers my way, if I'm ever in a serious serious medical condition, those are welcome thoughts. So, exactly. you know, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to do that, Derek. Um, all right, so that's that. So, you know, hopefully Kevin Smith uh, pulls out okay, seems to be doing all right, especially considering the severity of it. Um, on the positive end of things, we got a first look at Shazam, kind of. Yeah, his, like, his, <laughs> his backside and his massive quads. And... Oh my god, he's so massive. Zachary Levi is huge. Yeah, that's not Zachary Levi. I mean, it is Zachary Levi. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's probably not Zachary Levi. Uh, in this, but what here there are some interesting things about the suit. And as somebody you know, I fancy myself a little bit of a Shazam Captain Marvel fan. Okay, uh, it's very Alex Ross. This yes. is the costume is. If you haven't seen it, it's very unlike the Man of Steel suit and the Batman suit. There doesn't seem to be any texture. No, yeah, um, it doesn't even seem. If you've seen those, the way they make those suits in Batman and Superman and make the muscles really pop is they glue down the spandex suit over. Fake musculature that the actor wears underneath the underneath the outer suit. This one doesn't seem to have that. I mean, it, uh, we're seeing unofficial photos. Right. So. Someone took it from their phone. Uh, they were shooting at a mall. Yeah. So I assume this was probably an unofficial extra of some kind. Right? Stuck in their phone that didn't put it in the brown paper bag. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and, and I mean, it, so we don't know. I mean, these are all observations from seeing a tiny sliver of right. the side of the costume. Um, but it looks, it, you're right, though, it looks very straight off the comic books. It's it does. Bright red, but a smooth red. He's got the white cape and the hood. They dyed his hair, so his hair's like black, you know, and, and slicked back like a classic, you know, a classic version of the character. Um, the new 52, the hood is more new 52. I don't think yeah. he ever really had that before that. Um, but it does kind of look like curtains. It's a weird, like, <laughs> dual layer cape. It is. It's yeah. not something we really seen well, before. Shazam was originally a knockoff of Superman, mm-hmm. and it started out selling Superman in the 40s and 50s because it spoke to little kids. Billy Batson is a kid. And Every kid wants to be a superhero. Exactly. So when DC bought it up, they did everything in their power to kind of separate the two characters, and that's just more what we're seeing. Is even the different though, colors, you know, the yeah. different cave and the hood and all that stuff is going to give them a different kind of silhouette than, than Superman. Personality-wise, the two can't be any different, but when it comes down to it, looks-wise, they're pretty similar. Yeah. So Even the rain color, you know, exactly. red being right. a prominent color on both Most superheroes have the primary colors as their main, so it's very important for them to differentiate as much as they can. We didn't get to see the lightning bolt on the front of the suit. You know, I, I, really, yeah. I want to see if it's an actual lightning bolt or what they did with that. You know, if it's, a, you know, so he's had like kind of a it's, triangular. It's a dark like, and gritty lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm, I, the one thing that makes me a little nervous about seeing this suit is that like I'm having trouble picturing, I love the suit, but I'm having trouble picturing it next to like Superman because he yeah. has a super textured and I know it's Kryptonian fabric or whatever. And in the universe, that makes sense, but seeing it next to each other is going to look a little weird. Yeah. Well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is a new direction for the DCEU. If it is, I'm good with it. Superman gets it's a classic, like, Christopher Reeves suit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of are, are gave him the old suit back in the comic books as he's reaching uh, issue 1000 yeah. this spring, uh, which, I mean, that's just a cool milestone, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, who knows? Wonder Woman's is pretty close to what it looks like in the new 52 superman's is obviously very different um they just forgot the underwear it's the texture 
like all those designs and stuff like that. It's it's very very textured. It looks like it almost looks like it would have been impossible to make. Obviously, the suit is real, right. right? But you know, it's kind of like when Spider-Man and Spider-Man Two, like the suit that in the original Spider-Man, like he made that somehow in his bedroom. Like I just, I never believed that. Well, the the, the Shazam suit is supposed to be a magical construct. With you know, when he transforms into Shazam, so realistically, like this is what Billy Batson thinks. Uh, a cool superhero suit is supposed <laughs> to look like, which I, that makes it even more charming for me that like just, you know, the old style superhero suit is mm-hmm. what he thinks looks awesome. And I really hope he's like a huge Justice League fanboy. He loves the Justice League and he just wants to be a part of the Justice League. So kind of Peter Parker in Homecoming kind of a thing. But better because I don't really like Spider-Man that much. But yeah, yeah, similar. <laughs> Except at the end, I don't want him to be like, I don't want to be in the Justice League anymore. I'm my own man. You know, I don't want Just to. like that. Yeah. No, he's going to be like, can, can I date Black Wonder Canary? Woman, please? <laughs> oh, yeah, Black Canary. <laughs> which, yeah. Can, I, would, I think it would be cute if it was Wonder Woman in the DCU. Yeah, it'd be great. Mary and the DCU would be pretty cool too. Everybody has a crush on Wonder Woman. It's like, true. But seeing an you know yeah. eight year old have a crush in, in, in a giant man's body. <laughs> there are some rumors that Wonder Woman and or Superman may have a cameo. So yeah. I'll be curious to see I how actually, that shakes out. That's something that Marvel still they're so hesitant to do because of the contract issues. Like I I think it would be a major points in the DC column if they just threw in cameos. It's hard to ignore that these other people exist and you want me to go to the next film, well, you know, give me a reason yeah. to do that. You know, if Shazam's not going to be in the next film, then I'll, who is? Yeah. Now, Cavill is apparently trying to restructure his contract because he wants to do more. He wants to continue. So. He loves And he has dropped some hints on Twitter like towards the director and Zachary Levi that he wants to be in the movie or like kind of hinting that he's in the movie. So it, it seems plausible for sure, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. And if you are a fan of following the movie, the, the director does post on Reddit quite quite frequently. Yeah. And he said in the past that as soon as there's a leaked photo, they have they have an official photo ready to go that they were waiting on. And like yesterday or two days ago, he posted that they have this ready to go, but that it doesn't seem like there's going to be a hurry. And then he said, uh, you know, but he would be really surprised if in the next week or so there wasn't a leak. So he, he knew where they were going to film and that they'd have a lot of extras, I'm guessing. And so, you know, but he hasn't yet to respond since the leak happened to anything on Reddit. So it would surprise me if we didn't get something by the end of the day tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Any other news? Nope. <clears throat> I kind of stay away from the superhero news, <laughs> so that part of the show I'm going to be a little, you know, okay, I'll nod my head while you guys talk very intelligently about these things. <laughs> it's really tough to both avoid spoilers and stay up to date. Yeah, So, and, and I get everything out of the library. I'm so, like, I still haven't seen Justice League because I didn't like the direction that DC was going in for so long. And so I watched Superman versus Batman on DVD. I wa- and I still haven't seen Justice League because it hasn't been at the library yet. So, fair enough. Yeah. You can borrow my copy if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Derek has the steel book with the statue and everything else. Is that a thing? I, I don't know, know Derek. I'm just saying if there was. Well, we actually one, have. So it. Justice League still. I think it's actually yeah. digital only right now. So it's yeah, not it's still hasn't actually. Yeah, it's like we don't so, do it. No. But I assume we will. I'm sure he's had the pre-ordered Steelbook for the past like three months. I have not pre-ordered it. I have not. Well, sorry. Wait a minute, we look bad. I know. I thought I knew Steppenwolf's a disappointment. (laughs) Hashtag almost everything in that movie is a disappointment. Hey, hey, 
This is not a DC. Gal Gadot is a national treasure to it's, Israel. As long as Josh Whedon isn't directing. God. So let's let's then shift focus here. Um, so we're obviously talking about Black Panther. That was a piece of news too. Josh Whedon is away from Batgirl now. Yeah. But like I mean, three different female Batgirl writers want to write the movie because they have better stories. It's so shocking to me that like there just wasn't an idea for a story. Like there's yeah. an entire history of comic books. It, like a Batgirl movie on its own, I don't know if it can stand. However, you call it Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, it, yeah, there's plenty of stories to mine there. You can pick apart all three of the women's individual solo stories as well. So their stories together, you're you're fine. On a long enough timeline, if they did the Killing Joke, I would lose my mind. I mean, the 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 DC animated movie was great, but. Um, if they did that one, I mean, I think that everybody who reads Batman has a soft spot for her because of what happened to her with the Joker and the killing joke and everything. I'd, I'd watch that. Hmm. Yeah, I would think that would be hard to make canon in the, like, the way the DCEU is going right now. Yeah, but, I know. I mean, they did work, do a, they went through a lot of trouble to make the graphic novel canon in the comic books right. through Convergence. But they don't have so, that luxury right. of doing Convergence in the movies, really. And Yet. <laughs> let's hope never. You know, have Flash go back in time and change a bunch of stuff. He's already going to do all, that. It's all, you know, the ability for the Flash to retcon everything is always there. It's true. So... And they are supposed to be doing a Joker of some kind. Oh, I know. You know. Yeah. Whether it's Joaquin Phoenix or uh, Jared Leto. I'm gonna. I'm throwing. I think it's gonna be somebody totally different. It's gonna be Jerome from Gotham. I thought that Jared Leto was gone. That that was official. I have no idea. Yeah. He'll send a rat to you tomorrow, and it'll have a message that it spews out. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll let you know. All right, so Black Panther. Yeah, Let's talk yeah. Black Panther. The sure. 18th MCU film. Yes, number 18. Uh, had a huge opening weekend. Biggest February. Biggest February ever. Third, high, third highest of all time, or fifth highest of all time. In February? Or? Of all time. Oh, Jeez, I was all, If I remember correctly, it was only behind... Uh, the well, f- it's on your notes. Well, yes, but these, these numbers are, uh, were not f- finalized because these are from last week. Um, mm. But it made a, a lot of money opening weekend. $200 million budget made $235 million uh, estimated domestically. Um, it's opening weekend. It has already become the third highest grossing MCU film of all time, only behind the two Avengers movies. Which means that it has passed the original Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, you know, so it's doing really, really well. Um, it's really only behind, like, The Force Awakens and um, and The Last Jedi. So. It's like Representation Matters or something. Almost. You know? Almost. <laughs> it's like people want to see themselves on the big screen. Um. So, you know, that's really interesting. What's really cool about this, uh, just from a numbers perspective, the movie's actually doing even better than some of the ones in that top five with it because it was actually released in the fewest number of screens compared to those other movies. So it yeah. actually made more money per screen, too, um, which which is cool. I, I like that type of math just to kind of see. Um, so doing incredibly well. Uh, it had the best uh, full first week for an MCU film. Which is also cool. It means people kept going to see it even on a weekday. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, we saw it on a Monday. Yeah, so. we did. Me too. 
But uh, yeah, those are the financials. It's doing incredibly well. Oh, Disney did donate a million dollars to a um, well, shoot, what was it? Was it a STEM organization? Yes. Yeah. Okay. In so, Oakland. Just to be clear, it made four hundred plus million opening weekend. Disney thought it would be great to donate. What is that? 025 percent. Yep. Of its opening weekend gross. Look, I know. But the mouse doesn't hand out money. But nobody like that's just not a thing that production companies do. Well, there was remember races. when Avengers came out and Kevin Feige was like, "Okay, it made a billion dollars, but we still can't pay people." Yeah. Like, guys, well, that's that's we being still like, make money. But this is like a charitable thing. Like, you know, yeah. there was a petition. The I know the opening week there was a petition that was to get Disney to donate twenty five percent. I think it was wow. to something like that, and it had a ton of signatures, but. I mean, I think that's a little unrealistic. I don't wouldn't expect yeah. them to donate, you know. But they could donate a hundred million dollars, multiple millions to many STEM organizations yeah, all over the for country. Sure. I think that that would be more not feasible. just the one that was in. Yeah, the I, movie. I mean, obviously Disney's got the money to do this. Um, I mean, just to, to your point, Ryan, if we want to call it percentages, as of now, it has grossed worldwide a total of seven hundred and twenty-seven point nine million dollars. So it's like point one two percent in two weeks. Yeah, right. So this will probably be a billion-dollar film. Yeah, um, I think that that's a pretty easy guess. Um, so you know, yes, they could have obviously done more, but I don't want to minimize the fact that they did more than most. That they companies. did something when they didn't have to. A million's a million. I'm pretty sure that uh, yeah. at least you know, the majority of us at this table have donated more than 0.12% of our annual income to charity. Sure, but if and you want... like a fair point. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we are not Disney. No, I, I know, but there's other movies that have made more money like Furious 7 or Avatar, and those production companies weren't donating to charitable causes either. So obviously they can do more, but maybe this is the stepping stone for production companies doing... Those types of things. You gotta start somewhere, right? Mm. So I'm gonna go with it's better than nothing. A million dollars is still a million dollars. I see both sides of it. I mean, for one thing, I mean, they did do something, but on the other hand, this was kind of a cornerstone movie. Um, so they could have done more. I, I, it would have been a really good PR move. It, it mm. would have, but no matter what, that's exactly what people would have said, though, which yeah. would have. But, at the, but even if they said it's a good PR move and they donated. $10 million, then that's like... The money's maybe still it going. was, yeah. <laughs> the money is still, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the end result is the $10 million or however much goes to, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, look, it did incredibly well. Fifth highest movie opening weekend of all time. Not February, the not second biggest in MCU. Yes. Was, um, under the, just the first Avengers, I believe. Right, so number one's The Force Awakens, number two is The Last Jedi, number three is Jurassic World, and number four is the first Avengers movie. Um, so, and not even by much. I mean, those top, those five are the only five ever to break 200 million opening weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's in pretty good company from a financial perspective. Um, you know, the ones that make a billion dollars like Furious 7 and Avatar are not in that top five, if you notice. So, um, maybe they'll do more as the money continues to roll in. Who knows? They're, they are spending all their money trying to acquire 20th Century Fox, so. Sure. <laughs> uh, but let's talk the actual movie, right? We are like 20 minutes in here. Let's talk about the movie. Where would you guys like to start? Well, we always give our little spoiler-free <clears throat> initial kind of what we thought about the movie. Or we could just jump straight to spoilers. We could talk about Easter eggs that you missed. Whatever you want to do. Too much pressure. 
let's just this is your spoiler warning now. If you haven't seen Black Panther yet, you're one of like three people. Uh, but go see it, and then you can come back and yeah, listen. We gave you to an extra week. Episode. We did. We gave you an extra week. No excuses. Do what I always do: pause it and then come back to it. Just hit the next Aww. one on your playlist and come back to it. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let's let's dive right in. Was there a particular Easter egg that you wanted to discuss? There's quite a few that I just think's great, but I mean, we don't have to get into that because they're random facts that are, you know, at the end of the movie and maybe we should go by character by character. Okay. No? Kick us off. All right. So let's talk T'Challa and uh, T'Chaka, the opening. We we open in Oakland with T'Chaka, who... Easter egg, fun fact, you know, whatever, fun fact. The actor that plays T'Chaka, young T'Chaka, is actually John Connie's real-life son. So, I cannot pronounce his first name. I'm terribly sorry, I'm not going to butcher it, but it's Mr. Connie. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, we get to see Sterling K. Brown, who's having a great run on This Is Us currently, and just won an award for that, so... He plays, uh, oh my god, I think his name's Jabari. I want to say that. I could be terribly wrong, and I am so sorry. But he plays T'Chaka's long-lost brother. (laughs) Okay. So, the opening is very tense. They find out Zuri is a spy, too. Like, everybody's a spy for Wakanda, and, you know, T'Chaka ends up killing his own brother. One thing I'll say about that is... The T'Chaka 90s suit is my favorite of all the Black Panther suits. Yeah. I loved that. It looks I thought so it was good. really great. Like, with the gold, and I realize it's more of a comic, the way he looks in a lot of the comic books, uh, T'Challa looks in the comic books. But, um, yeah, I think that translated to the screen better than uh, than the suit we got for uh, T'Challa. Most of the film? Yeah. Do you mean the new suit or the Civil War suit? Either one. Either one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and even, like, Killmonger's gold suit. With the gold thing on it, I thought I just think the gold looks better on screen than the mm-hmm. silver does. Silver with the black just doesn't work as well for me, unfortunately. But yeah, that T'Chaka suit. I hope I see some people do that when the Blu-ray releases because I thought that was really cool. It was a cosplay. Thing. I do that cosplay, I should say. I'm just glad that they're doing the suit justice because I I didn't own any Black Panther comic books, but I looked for them and I would try to find appearances of him because I loved the suit so much uh, as a comic book fan. I was a big uh, comic card collector. Um, oh, cool. So that was really my history with the character. And to see it on screen both, I mean, this is calling back to Civil War, but to them, for them to do this, the suit justice, I think, uh, was really good for me. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like all three. Well, I guess there's four suits now. Um, I think they all look good in their own ways. I, I get your point about the gold, but I think that was also kind of to show that T'Challa doesn't really care about standing out. Sure, and I get that. I'm just yeah. saying from a purely visual just perspective. Just aesthetically, yeah. Well, fair enough. I always like silver. So. I like silver in general, too. I just think that the way they used it on this, this suit was not as cool. It didn't pop as much as the gold on black did. Now, I, don't know, I didn't know a lot about Black Panther going into this, so I found it really interesting that Wakanda basically had, like, agents planted out through the, through the world, mm-hmm. kind of, like, gathering information and intel and keeping tabs on other countries. I thought that was really kind of an interesting way to start the movie, because um, I didn't know any of that. So in my mind, I thought they were a very secluded country, but they really, they knew what was going on. <laughs> 
What? Nothing, just looking at you. Okay. <laughs> that was weird. That was. So, what else about T'Challa? Uh, Chadwick Boseman was great. Uh, was great. I mean, he. I have a lot of complaints about the movie, but I didn't. I don't think he was. I, I don't think really any of the actors were the problem no. that I had with the movie. They were all really great. Ryan Coogler did a great job with casting, and I'm sure it wasn't hard. I'm sure they just put out the notification, and they got a ton of people auditioning. So, it it probably wasn't difficult to find great actors in this situation. Um, I will say, when it comes to T'Challa, if I have to nitpick. Um, I'm upset that we didn't get as much characterization as we did in Civil War about him. You know, it was a great realization towards the end that he has when, he, you know, he he just comes to terms with the fact that his father wasn't perfect. But he has to do that. And throughout the whole thing prior, though, every other character aside from him is more dynamic. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair point. I definitely would agree with a lot of that, yeah. Yeah. When he has a Simba moment at the end, that's great. That's perfect. That is a fantastic, fun little moment. But before then, all the women that are around him, ten times cooler. You know, <laughs> I want to know the backstory about everybody. And he's just kind of there to play off the scene. I don't know. I thought he had a tremendous arc, actually. With the, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, him coming to terms with his father and... You know, I thought that the beginning of the movie was one of the most moving of any of the Marvel movies. But, and I, I thought his arc I was agree good. With that. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> any thoughts about T'Challa? Um, I mean, Chadwick Boseman, I think, is, is really great. He, I think he makes a really good king, mm -hmm. but his his style is to be very even. Right, and so he doesn't want to be outlandish in any way. He just wants to kind of just do his duty, do his job, keep Wakanda kind of at the status quo. Whereas everybody around him has very large personalities who are trying to accomplish very big ch changing things. That's right, um, everyone's you know whether it's his sister trying to create these just absolutely amazing new pieces of technology or. You know, kill monster. All designed to keep him and her country safe. Oh, like, of course, right. Yeah, but like she's always trying to do one better, right? Like that's yeah. kind of early on when you kind of get the beginnings of their relationship. It's like, well, these things worked fine. She's like, yeah, but they could always be better, right? Like that's her thing. She's always trying to hit that moving target. And I felt like pretty much everybody was like that except for T'Challa. T'Challa was possible. basically doing exactly what he was brought up to do. Right, his his entire life was training for him to take over for his father. Mm -hmm. Right, and I think he does that perfectly well. Uh, but from a movie perspective, everybody else is just a lot more interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't That's disagree. Awesome. I think he. I feel like he was a, a bit more of a plot device than he was, you know, like a character with a great arc. I mean, he was used to progress all these other characters around him and make mm -hmm. them look good, but really, he didn't have as much. In my opinion. When he had the most in Civil War, in my opinion. He did, yeah. I actually really... And I, I like to suit better in Civil War, too. But, <laughs> I, it's, but yeah, he definitely... With with the father getting killed and, you know, all of that. Um, you know, the, and the ending when he confronts the man who was responsible for his father's death. And I can't remember his line, but it was a very great line that he had with him. Um, so, yeah, I would tend to agree that I feel like this the short arc that he got in... Uh, Civil War was better than what we got here. And I don't know, maybe that says something more about Civil War than it does Black Panther necessarily. That could say but... something about 
the three of us, too, because honestly, everybody found the part in Civil War where Tony watched somebody murder his parents and was deeply saddened, and the three of us were just like, no... Black Panther losing his dad at the beginning was way sadder. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's because if you look at those two things, he was the new character in Civil War that we were introduced to, and in Black Panther, he's really the only character we know. Yeah, everybody's right? knowing this one. So maybe I just found the new characters more interesting because I didn't know anything about them and I was learning who they were, and that grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that we were kind of prepared for Iron Man's parents' death because we've been hearing about it since day one. Oh my That's God, you're true. Totally right. and, and Black Panther, it it happened, and they they form a really close relationship in a very short amount of time, and then he's gone, and then he gets to see him again, and I don't know. I, I it, it was very quick, so that probably was more impactful. Mm. I would say. So I will say, I really enjoyed the. Uh, Wakandan view of the afterlife. I've read a lot of African fairy tales and it looks exactly like what I've been picturing this whole time. So I I was really impressed with that overall, the whole aesthetic of it. I will say there was some technical issues I had with it. Like you pointed out the sloppy green screen on the second visit. Only when you're looking at at T'Challa. Everybody else looked like they were actually standing out on the field, but T'Challa looked like he was clearly in a sound studio somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of, for me, I'm kind of grasping for straws to find a lot of problems with the movie, and, like, that was, like, the big glaring technical thing I found. So... <laughs> that was the big glaring technical thing you found? In one viewing, yes. I didn't like when they were falling from the Wakandan yeah, uh, platform to the railroad I, like that whole fall was just. I thought that was so cheesy. It that, that, was, that was the only part of the That's movie that okay. I was like, "Really? Wow!" Okay, let's tighten that up. I didn't want them to fall down there, so I think I was already just kind of disappointed. That's where they were going because, like, being above ground, everything was bright, so you could see everything, and I thought it all looked really good. And I wanted the two of them to fight with everybody watching, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how their first fight took place. And now they're like in some deep dark cave with a train, and it just felt a little disconnected from everything else that had been going on. If we're going to talk about that, I guess I'll get into some of the problems I had with that. Sure, um, let's do it. First of all, the Hit CGI me. on that whole scene reminded of the whole fight scene in the train and everything like that. Looked like I was watching the early 2000s Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. The really? CGI was not good. The, it, the suit, Anything in the suits looked when bad. When they were losing the suits and then coming back on. It, that, and I mean, just the fighting looks like, like the characters look like Spider-Man 3 when Venom is fighting Spider-Man and it just looks, the, the effects there just looked really dated to me and just not good. And, you know, I have some other more plot-driven problems with that that scene, but te- from a technical standpoint, I thought that whole thing was really poorly done. Uh, for a, for a tentpole Marvel movie, <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, it looked, it looked just bad. I mean, and it had a decent budget. It had a two hundred million dollar budget. So, for perspective, that's more than um, like Wonder Woman or Aquaman. But yeah. it is less than Civil War and BVS. Um, I'm just saying, you could have gotten rid of the Rhino Army and put all that money to 
That the fight scene was cooler than the fight scene that was happening between him and Killmonger, though. That's my problem yeah. with that. Is like the, the where I was invested was that fight scene outside, not not Killmonger. And well, that's T'Challa. kind of what I would say. I felt yeah. very disconnected. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a that's yeah that's not a good problem. Not a good thing to have. That's a major problem. I like the rhinos because like they showed the rhinos earlier on, and I like the idea that the, the you know the, part of the point of of Wakanda is that they want to keep their roots. They want to keep their culture where they Well, they were never from. colonized. Right. But that's very important to them as a sense of pride. And they have, like, these incredible animals and obviously advanced technology like, and military training. And- don't get me wrong. I love the idea that somewhere out there in the world there's a beautiful field full of rhinos. Because to hear that they're all extinct at this point, there's, like, five in the world now, makes me cry. <laughs> well, but it just didn't look that great. The rhinos didn't look that great. And there's a million beautiful, well, maybe not a million. There's a ton of African animals that could have used instead, and maybe it would have looked better. I would have liked to see battle giraffes. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'm trying to think, like, from a a practicality standpoint, if you were going to militarize an African animal. Hippos. Hippos are responsible for a huge amount of human deaths every year. But they're slow. Doesn't it because rhinos are, aren't slow? Actually, hippos are very fast. They, they swim and short, fast. And that not only swim, they can actually run like short distances on land pretty quickly. Like I, I think hippos would present the same problem. No, giant pachyderm people's bad CGI. But... Right, right. But my, I guess my question would be: What animal would you have picked? I don't know. It's the Black Panther. Maybe lions there on the go. savannah. Like. I, I mean, I guess I, I, I would be more worried say. that my lion army would turn and eat us. Because <laughs> your rhino army couldn't turn and impale you. Yeah. Like, right? Rhinos are just as dangerous. Well, they, they just don't, don't eat you afterwards. Well, that's the difference. See, a lion might just be hungry. A rhino, you'd have to, like, threaten or. Oh my god, piss we're off, spending way too know? long on this. Let's All talk right, about <laughs> Claw and Killmonger, the, our villains of the film. I mean, Claw, whatever. He's fine. Like, <laughs> Andy Circus was fun. Yeah, I loved Claw. He felt like a cheesy comic book villain. He did. And, and he, he hammed it up, and he was really... And then they killed him off. Because they're the MCU, and they can't have a villain survive a movie. Yep. And, you know... That is a big disappointment. Uh, but that's for Killmonger, too, though. Yeah. Agreed. It is. And I have that on my list of problems with the movie here. That, that's, Both uh, villains got killed yeah. off. And... Killmonger may very well be the best best villain in the MCU that they've had to date. His he has the strongest motivation. That's, the that's one the where I looked at him villain. and I was like, "Ooh, you have a point." Kind of like I haven't felt that way since Loki, where I was like, "Ooh, you were adopted for this guy's own selfish reasons and never told." Like that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he followed Wakandan rule. Law, right? Like he challenged exactly the way you're supposed to challenge. He didn't cheat in any way. He did exactly the way it's supposed to be done. And I mean, pretty handedly won that fight. Um, no, Zuri cheated. I mean, that's that's you know, the cheat that comes in, right? Trying so, to rescue him and stuff. It's certainly no like you know Obadiah from Iron Man or something like that who cheats around every corner and backstabs everybody just because he wants an extra paycheck. Yeah, know? I mean, outside of the world domination aspect of Killmonger's plan, like. It's a really understandable and relatable thing. Like he's doing something that we can all clearly understand why he's doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that made him a very strong villain. Also, Michael B. Jordan, great and everything, 
Um, so, so, so I mean, that doesn't really need to be said. We've we've gushed over him a million times yeah. on this podcast. I hear but... he was the only reason to watch that Fantastic Four movie. Not that any of us did. I did not watch that Fantastic Four movie, so he couldn't even <laughs> save it. Like, reluctantly raise his hand. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, you don't need to watch it. <laughs> My friend Jordan couldn't save it. Uh, but I did like the dynamic from his perspective, like when he was talking to for like the art the art people. And that whole scene with, oh, yeah, the where they had the vibranium axe, so it was great. But the way he was treating the lady in, in the art gallery uh, was he had just like this air of confidence and like he was in control of the situation. And, you know, he had it, he had multiple moods is basically what I'm getting at. And I thought that was really great because a lot of the MCU villains and DCU and a lot of superhero villains in general, they have, they have one mood in the entire movie. Yeah. And that's it. But Michael B. Jordan got to do several things, and I think it really worked in the movie's favor. I think the villain was very strong, and that was probably the best part of the movie for me. It, it was probably helped that he worked with Ryan Coogler prior in Creed. You know, having that built-on relationship means that you get some depth. You don't you don't have a whiplash <laughs> incident where, you know, all your extra meat is cut out behind your back. Yeah. Um, part of it, I think, is the fact that Killmonger gets... Because of who the character is and the training and the background that he's had, he gets to do the the very overt, like in your face, cocky, like let's throw down, but also the very covert, like secret agent planned, you know, bringing down nations type thing where like you don't know how he accomplished it, right? Like the gallery scene is a great example. He's got all these people hidden in different locations, the baristas in on it, right? It's a very like the EMTs, exactly, Claude and some other guy. It's a very like smart, intelligent, thought out plan that isn't just busting into a room with a bunch of guns, which is what we get a lot in these superhero movies. And to that point. The end is just him punching the the superhero and then punching each other back and forth yeah, until one of them dies. Like it, it, yeah, the, it, yeah, that was a major problem for me. It was it, it always all this smart build up and you know showing how how conniving Killmonger is and how good of a planner he is, uh, and then you know T'Challa, you get all the character development from him from Civil War and whatever little bit he had in this movie, and they just end up punching each other. <laughs> and that's it. The you know? first half of the movie reminded me so much of a Bond film. You get the casino theme, you get, uh, you know, Shuri might as well be Q. And, yeah, it's so uh, cool. My favorite part of the whole movie, honestly, that is that his Lucius Fox was his little sister. Yeah. I love that. But, sorry, I didn't mean to derail. No, no, you're sorry. <laughs> Shuri's great, and I hope we talk about her in just a moment, but you know, the whole casino thing. Uh, he has a very helpful CIA friend. Like, it, the first half is such a bomb film, and then the rest of it is, you know, Lion King. <laughs> Narnia-ish. <laughs> I, did, I will say that I thought that the first maybe hour of the film, you really don't have the main plot develop at all, and it was kind of boring, I thought. I thought the casino scene was cool, but the car chase afterward just went on too long. It did. It got- and it was pretty unnecessary, really. I mean, it showed some cool stuff from Danai Guerrero with, like, the spear throw that made the car flip. And, you know, some cool stuff like that. And his suit going, blowing up the car. That was cool. But it just went on too long. And really, like I said, there's almost no plot development. Even an hour in, you still don't know what the actual, like, problem and conflict in the movie is. It does... Big the question because we we didn't know this when we saw it, but apparently there's like a four hour cut of this movie out there. 
that Coogler put together. And I'm curious what they removed to keep the car chase scene as long as it was. Because I'm a sucker for car chase scenes. Like, and it wasn't that great of one, really. I mean, it's... I thought it was fun. But that was before I knew that there was, like, another, like, hour and a half of material on the cutting room floor that may have been yeah. more interesting. You know, but when I just saw it in in the bubble that it was in, you know, and I compared it to other car chase scenes, I really enjoyed it. I like the techie stuff. You know, I like they got to show the kinetic um, energy abilities of the suit and, you know, the, just kind of like some of the cool high-tech stuff. Like, I really liked all of the, the VR kind of driving that Shuri was able to do um, where she could just take over that vehicles and creative. stuff like that. Like, that's just really neat. Um, so I, I like that scene, but I am curious what was cut so that scene could be what it was. Um, I didn't know at the time, right? But, you know, an hour and a half is a lot of material. You know, when we're begging to see, like, an extra 20 minutes of, of Justice League. We got an hour and a half of Black Panther that was shot, you know? I think that part of the problem with the movie as a whole, and all, on pretty much all the Marvel movies at this point, is that there is a formula. And, and if you Always. take out the societal impact of this movie... Um, and the representation, which I don't want to take anything away from them, uh, and, and, and black people have needed this, like, and it was great, a great representation of African culture and things like that. But if you just look at it purely from a movie critic perspective, it followed the formula. They had a car chase scene. They had two action scenes. They had scenes. an identical villain. They had an identical villain that it has the same powers as the mm-hmm. hero. You have a shoehorned in world ending thing where Martin Freeman has to randomly gun down no some spaceships. No giant blue sky beams, so there was that. No giant blue sky beams, but they had to have, like, it was cooler when it was like Wakanda is the, where the, where the problem, it, the, the conflict of the movie is. But when you start being like, oh, these guys are going to go blow up London, and this guy's going to go blow up the United States. And, and, yeah, yeah, and Martin Freeman has to, like, get into a spaceship and, and, and kill... You know, <laughs> then it's like, that felt so added in. And, and that was, again, what, what did they cut out to put in this thing that Marvel probably said, we need to have something like this in there? Because they could have done without that whole scene, and it still would have it would have made the, scene, the, the movie better. Well, because all that that does is provide a time pressure for Freeman's character. Yeah. That's it. Nobody else has. But that did he time need pressure. that? Did he need that plot, that, that character so. development, or like anything in the movie? I guess they needed something for him to do because he's not going to go out there and fight hand to hand, right? Because he'd get himself killed. Surely quickly. they can do something but, other than uh, making it a world-ending thing and just making it something that actually just impacts Wakanda, rather yeah. than having to have the world is in danger vibe. I honestly think it would have been really cool if that's where we find Bucky. Is he just starts wandering around? He was told to say put he starts wandering around because that's what people do and he finds Bucky and he gets really pissed that they're harboring an American criminal but uh, yeah that would have been cool from like my comic well like I like these characters but then from the perspective of the movie that I mean that I think would have just made it even more you know I think it would have convoluted and yeah it would have made it less about the uh, Wakandans and more about let's just connect it to the MCU. I don't know. So maybe you wait till the very end. Do that in a post credit scene. Yeah, like that would have been great. We haven't I, gotten the post credit scenes, but I I wasn't really a fan a fan of this the one at the very end just, at the very least. The, okay, so let's talk about that and just get it over with. So the comment that she makes about the White Wolf is a nice throwback to the surrogate brother that Black Panther has in the comic books. But other than the leader of the Wakandan special forces, Mm -hmm. I believe. 
Other than that, it makes zero sense. Like, how long has he been defrosted, and now they're best friends? Like, well, I, th- I mean, when they frosted him, it was so that they could reprogram him, I assume. So I think that the whole point of that after credit scene was not to... A lot of people oh. like White Wolf. You know, so that's what it is? So the right. Wakandans are able to undo the brainwashing? Right, they undid the brainwashing, and so now I miss that. That's basically I what that whole scene... I not assume that either. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what the whole... Because th- when they... In Civil War, when he's frozen, that's the, why he brought... Why Cap brought him to Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Which because they really, had the technology to do that. Which I never really understood. That was one thing I didn't understand. Why take him to Wakanda? Why not take him to... I don't know, any... <laughs> well, a place that's 25 years <laughs> yeah. advanced in technology in the future. I guess you know, I thought you know, it was just to put them on ice until they could figure out what to do. I didn't think there was figure out to fix it. Yeah. I guess I didn't know that there was a resolution. So I mean I think that's what that whole thing was pretty much maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I'm pretty sure that's what they like he was out in a peaceful area like, in a robe, you know, just... He's around children, so obviously mm-hmm. they trust him at this point. Right. I mean, there's no way you're going to let a murderer who can snap at any moment around children unless you an trust him, A one-armed right? murderer, because if they could still couldn't resolve his arm and just be like, he got a vibrating arm. We've all seen the Infinity War trailer. It was before this he's movie. He's got an arm. Yeah, we know he's got an arm back. Just show his vibranium arm like getting attached, and that would have been way cooler than what well, I got. Well, so the the, sched- the release schedule for the movies has actually made things kind of complicated because they had to show this movie without thinking. Like they don't want you to think that Infinity War is coming in a couple of months. They just want you to sit and watch this movie. Don't worry about the other trailers, which is probably why they didn't show you a trailer for Infinity War. We didn't get one anyway. I, I think we had one. We got Ant Man. We might have had Ant Man also. But, I mean, at this point, pretty much everybody that's going to see Black Panther has seen the Infinity War yeah. trailer, probably. I mean, it's... But it is hard, though, because it's like, well, how do you look past that? Like, did anybody think that T'Challa might die? No. Anybody? Not no. once. Right? And so, like, I get that he had to lose the fight, but, like, throwing him over the waterfall, you're like, well, he's obviously going to be fine. Right. right. But at that point, I'm thinking, well, how does he come back from that? That's multiple broken bones, that's, you know, possibly drowning like that there's a lot so at that point for me as a viewer i'm like well what are they gonna do how is he gonna come back and i like that they brought back the herb that was the only thing that makes sense to me i you know that that's all so let's talk about that for a minute the, the, herbs. the, the herbs um because killmonger like has them all destroyed it's it's an in-universe thing with the vibranium meteorite. They exist. That's fine. I can buy in that. That's not a big deal. I'm a Trekkie. I, you sold me on that. But um, it, for me, it was Killmonger destroying all of it. Because for him, having, you know, having it be his right to be the ruler of Wakanda would make you also believe that he would want his bloodline to continue to be the rulers of yeah. Wakanda. Instead of him being this calculated planner, he turned into this brash guy that just, let's destroy this and do this, you know, all of a sudden, you know. It seemed so, counterintuitive. Well, you know yeah. how Claw makes a comment that this is El Dorado, it's not in the Central America, it's in Africa? It That's also a fountain of youth. Like, if that can restore you from the brink of death, then that could probably keep you going for many centuries. So, again... Why get rid of it? Right. So, like, he was so quick to destroy it. It's a comic book thing. They're gonna, he's, they're gonna come back. Also, I mean, sure, you had the suit, had a Black Panther suit in the concept art. Yeah. And so, I mean, they obviously, how's she gonna be a Black Panther without that? You know what That's I mean? That's right. She did suit so up at some point. Like, I, did I don't I think she wore the Black Panther suit. Or, I, I mean, there was concept art that was released once the movie released that showed her. In she the had Black the, Panther she suit. had the Voltron gloves. Yeah. 
And, well, but, in Black, the movie, yeah, yeah. Oh, but she also had that in her Black Panther suit. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you didn't go check out the concept art, whatever. I'm sorry I spoiled that for you. But in the comic <laughs> book, she also gets a Black Panther suit. And yeah. I think she is Black Panther for a, a short term. Um, and she has the powers of the Panther. And, I mean, obviously, there's go- they're going to, this is a comic book movie. They're going to bring back the heart shaped herb and do yeah, you know, eventually. So I, it didn't bother me that much. I thought that the disappointment for me was that the way it kind of, took back Killmonger's character a little bit because he's supposed to be this calculated planner, but instead he just made a stupid decision to do that stuff. I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 I agree with him wanting to invade the whole world because that was kind of the conflict of the film is everybody's trying to keep it. it it's the, uh, them being split over. Do we keep it here or do we help the world? And, you know, so him wanting to, uh, go out of the world and cause all of these problems everywhere else. That I get, but him learning the herb, yeah, that yeah, doesn't that's weird. make any sense at all. It was almost like he, after he won, then he went off the rails, which seems kind of backwards. Because yeah. he's gotten, it worked. He's king. He won. Now is the time to then execute your grand plan, right? You go off the, if you go off the rails when you're losing, Right? Like Obadiah does in Iron Man because he's losing, right? Because Tony Stark built it in a cave, right? That whole With the box of scraps, right? <laughs> yeah. But Killmonger won. It worked. All of his time, all of his planning, all of his efforts were pulled off almost flawlessly, right? And then he goes kind of crazy. And mm-hmm. that, I'm curious what that was supposed to mean. Maybe I missed it. Well, it, it could have been that he had singular focus and he didn't know what to do after he got what he wanted. But that doesn't really seem like it the character. It doesn't fit the character that yeah. they established at I that think point. On a microcosm, he was like, well, these vibranium tools could have helped me back in Oakland. So obviously they're going to help everybody. Let's just bomb the rich and give these weapons to like poor people. And that's not how things work. <laughs> yeah. So it was like half of a really good plan. Right, like his plans to become king clearly were it was a really solid plan that worked almost perfectly, mm-hmm. right? But it was everything after that that kind of becomes very half baked. His own downfall, yeah. But yeah. a total supervillain comic book. That's true. <laughs> so I am forgiving about that sort of thing. I'm but... forgiving of that sort of thing if it makes sense in the context of the movie, and the movie is being a very comic booky movie. But this movie was more. Based in our rea- a reality, a very—I mean—it's based on a country in a very real area of the world. Even if Wakanda isn't real, Africa is very real. The problems facing Africa are very real. Um, so, I mean, it was—I don't know—that yeah. I, I, I have a hard time accepting like comic booky fun stuff. I mean, Claw's personality—I mean, that is still at least—he—he's—he's he's been that way since. Uh, uh, Ultron. Ultron. Yeah. So, I mean, that was at least, you know, understandable in-universe, but this that was on a totally different level. But that was, I mean, again, you're, we're nitpicking Killmonger because most of the stuff with him was pretty good, but that, yeah, that scene yeah. was a little weird for me, too. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's one of the few Marvel villains who really succeeds yeah. to any significant level. Sure. Right? Because, I mean, yeah, there's that formula, right? Every Marvel villain gets, like, the little win. And then, yeah, like, I mean, Yellow Jacket got his suit, and you know, Obadiah Sane got his suit, and everybody gets suits. Well, because you have to, you have to kind of defeat the good guy so the good guy can rise. Got up. his suit. Yeah. <laughs> you get a suit. You get a suit. You get a suit. Oh, everybody gets a suit. Um, 
But it's true though, right? Like it's that's that goes back to Ryan's point about the formula though. Is basically the the MCU villain has to kind of beat the good guy so the good guy can get really mad about it and come back and beat the bad guy. Yeah. Right? That's basically fueled by his rage. Yeah. <laughs> it is a really good formula. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good formula for like five movies. But when you do it across eighteen movies, it starts to begin all scale. of them. The ensemble ones have their own formula. Right. Okay, so take out two three of those movies if you count Civil War. I don't know. Our our opinion on Infinity War is that Thanos kind of beats everybody. <laughs> yeah. To come back. Yeah, to come back really angry and beat him. Yeah. I mean, it's just on a different scale. We haven't even all. seen it. We've already critiqued the whole film. We have, it's true. Yeah. But don't take that away for it. Cap isn't anymore, and Widow is. That's stupid. I'm going to go to another problem that I have with the movie, Uh-oh. if that's okay. We only have, like, nine minutes left, if we're going to go on time. So, um, a big problem for me was, this is an advanced civilization, 25 years in the future, or 25 years in the future of technology, basically, uh, with advancements beyond what the rest of the world can have. And yet, they still think that a good thing to do is to have a death battle to decide the king. What if, like, a terrible person, I'm not going to name any historical terrible people, but everybody knows who I'm talking about, comes in, like, yeah, well, I'm more thinking of, like, genocidal madmen um, come in, and they win this death battle. Now, guess who their king is? You know what I mean? That It's such, like, I understand they want to keep the ties to African culture and and, and keep... I mean, there, there was... African dictators, Pol Pot and Idi Amin were terrible people. Right, but this is but in Star Trek, when they're so far advanced in the future and they phase out money and they fa- and they do all these things to improve society, you know, because they have this advanced technology and that's where humanity is supposed to go. But these Wakandans think that it's a good idea to still have a death battle at the edge of a waterfall with spears pointing at people that force them, force them to kill each other or go closer to the edge and die. Because it's still it's still the twenty first century, right? They're from a from a evolutionary perspective they're pretty much where everybody else is right but we're not having death battles it was supposed to be ceremonial nobody was supposed to challenge him Mbaku challenged him to a certain degree but neither so you're saying a loophole in their super technologically advanced and very smart culture that they were just trying to have a coronation and I mean I think I think that's kind of part of the point shit got real like that's all I'm saying that's that's why like Killmonger has to make his case a little bit that he has a right to challenge because I think the idea is that the, 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 those four tribes are working together. They are a team. They are a group. They've agreed to be Wakanda. And because of that, they don't challenge the bloodline. That's, they all... So there is, everybody's just supposed to assume that nobody's ever going to challenge the bloodline. That seems like I mean, a huge plot you're hole. You're totally of right. Of course, but every, every civilization in the real world has really dumb stuff that helps hold it up. Sure, but <laughs> they, they don't decide the, the future of their, like... I mean, like, sometimes... At this point, I kind of least... want our president to have a death battle. Like... Sure, but we could get somebody worse in the death battle, is my point. Like... Uh... <laughs> it's the argument. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the evil you know, right? Like I, I understand what you're saying. I just. But why is America, you know, in this fictional world, more, you know, intelligent in the way that they pick their? They're at least giving a voice to everybody, and rather than having a death battle to decide who. The, I think that opens I think up a very justify. I think it opens up that, a very different argument because I'm not sure that everybody would necessarily agree that everybody has a voice here. Okay. Well, right? everybody so, thinks they have a voice at the very least, and it's well, not a death battle. And, well, but but lives are on the line in a very different way. No, you're not getting stabbed with spears, but people still do live and die based on the laws that are made and how politics move forward here. This is more overt. There's no question about it. It is straightforward. It is cut and dry. You stab the dude. The dude died. Now you're king. Like, I get it. But 
it's supposed to be the fact that there is, there's no such thing as like a perfect government. It doesn't exist. There's no perfect culture. There's no perfect organization. Everybody has their pros and their cons and their advantages and disadvantages. I think having a death battle to decide your your future ruler is probably like more disadvantages than a democratic system of election. And whether it works or not, I'm not going to get into the politics of the so United States. So I've got some fun facts. This is the first MCU film to pass the Bechtel test. The first? The first. Really? Yep. Even so. Civil War and, and uh, Age of Ultron? And- Black Widow and Scarlet Witch talk to each other once, the very beginning of the film, about a dude. Wow. First film. Eighteen. Bechtel um, test is not a live or die by. I completely no. believe that there are great movies out there with all dudes, and you know I, I'm fine with that. But um, that, that requires two women to talk and not about a man, right? That's that's right. the test. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, it can be skewed, right? So, like in in the Star Trek universe, Voyager passes the Bechtel test more than any of the other shows, not counting Discovery. Uh, but Janeway is the captain, and the captain's the lead of the show, so she well, talks to everybody. There, there, are, there are three things. Is there more than one woman? For a lot of the MCU films, there's That's not. good point. Do mm. they talk to each other? <laughs> and do they talk about a man? Yeah. Right. Or to a, yeah, yeah. a man involved? It's a good point. Now, I don't count like fathers and sons. I think it's very unfair to get rid of your family. I think it, you know, it sucks if there's three chicks in a film they're the main characters and all they talk about are like humping dudes that sucks but if you're talking about your family like that's bloodlands it's almost the same as talking about you know mothers or daughters so mm-hmm. you know anyway um uh, i'll say that i do think that uh, this was a better um i don't i don't know if i want to say it's better for feminism but i think it was better representation for women than even mm-hmm. wonder woman was because in wonder woman basically if you don't like wonder woman like the that kind of character then you don't really have anything. You know, you, the Amazons are all very similar. In this movie, you get uh, you get a super smart scientist, you get like a cool spy, you get a uh, refugee, yeah, you, and a um, liberator. Yeah, I mean, you get the warrior women. Yeah, I mean, it's, so you get a whole a wide a wide group of of women to look up to. No, it's true because I mean, in Wonder Woman, she's. More or less the only woman in the significant majority of that film. Yeah, I mean, there's the Amazons, but again, they're all warrior women. Like, there's not, like, a scientist that's, like, coming up with their armor tech or something like that. It's literally just... Yeah. Uh, unless you want to look up to Dr. Poison, because she's a smart woman in that movie or whatever, but it's... I don't know. I, I, I would say it's... I a, see your point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I think Black, Black Panther, one of the things about it is that it is... It's really the only family movie... Of the MCU. Or the whole family's involved. Right? Yeah. Like it, but that's what it's about. It, the whole movie's about family. Mm-hmm. Right? Legitimately family. Not like Civil War family. Like yeah. actual family. Where you have, you know, T'Challa's dad dies. And he and Killmonger are related to each other. They're cousins. And, like, you're killing your cousin. This is legitimately family. This isn't friends, you know. No, you're right. Or anything like that. And so I, that kind of increased the weight quite a bit for me. Because, uh, you know, a lot of this is just, a lot of the other MCU films are like, you know, these people know each other because of business deals and corporations and convenience. These people are family and they have to turn on each other and fight each other and defend what they 
think they should defend. Well, and to be fair to the MCU, Stanley kills more parents than Disney <laughs> does. I mean, so, you know, it's kind of funny that Marvel is now a property of Disney because they're the parent killers. So the, the other ones can't have family movies because their families are all dead. <laughs> it's a good point. It's a but, good it point. Was, but that was a good part of that movie. I do agree. It was, yeah. But I mean, even like in the MCU, almost everybody is like a single child. Nobody has siblings. Mm-hmm. Right, like Cap's brother, Tony's brother, like those aren't people that exist. Yeah, Bucky is basically Cap's brother. But I mean, but, legitimately, like, but the, not blood related. Yeah. I would say that they are more family than Killmonger and and T'Challa. Though they like, they don't even know each other. It's like if I have cousins in New Hampshire that I have seen like five times in my life. I don't want to kill them, obviously, <laughs> but like I'm there's not, people I know I'm in my real life that. that I'm closer to than those cousins. You know what I mean? Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, you don't want okay. to name drop me. I understand. It's fine, but um. <laughs> I think we all know who I was talking about. Right? <laughs> the other movies are more about adopted families rather than blood yeah. families, which yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that point. So we are getting close on time here. What else do we want to hit on before we run out? Um. All the places Killmonger names are cities where Doctor Strange has sanctums, which cannot be, like, just a coincidence. You know, they pay attention to that kind of stuff. However, I think it's going to end up being an in-universe coincidence because Killmonger's dead. So, therefore, you know, maybe we're not going to see this really cool explosion and Doctor Strange come out and, like, save everybody. And That'd be cool. Killmonger's right. actually Dormammu. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True Benedict Cumberbatch, no caps, <laughs> all things. What happened? No signal? Did we lose it? That's odd. Did we lose our thing? Oh. The camera must have died. Oh boy. Well, that's a shame. Well, the audio is still going though, so okay, we can great. we can finish the audio portion of this and um, um my yeah, me trying not to look at myself. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Chadwick Boseman is uh, forty-two. Everyone, forty-two. He's wow. he is the same age Affleck was when he first took Batman. Hmm. So um, he looks a lot younger. Right. <laughs> no offense to to Ben, but uh, Chadwick looks a lot younger than his forties. So. Yeah. I do think it's worth discussing a little bit the the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie. It's really high. Do you guys think that it deserves that score? I don't know what the score is. Okay, well, I mean, so, you knew going into the movie that, that the score really was high. was 100% for a long time until one reviewer yeah. took a so negative and dropped it to 99%. Batman v Superman has come out, I don't trust any Rotten Tomato score. It's all about politics and who can flood the server first. So I don't think any of it is fair. I try to go by IMDb and Metacritic now instead because people don't just aggregate there as much. So so beyond the score even, I'll just say what I think happened. And I know that Rachel hates when I do this specific reference. I do. But with Ghostbusters when it came out, there was a lot of male uh, reviewers that were scared. Maybe not scared. They were grading on a curve because they didn't want to be the one that gave a negative review to a movie that... I think everybody wanted to give Ghostbusters a negative review. <laughs> well, I thought tooth and nail was, just for people to call it mediocre. It was... You did, but, but I'm talking about critics. Yes. The Rotten Tomatoes score was very high for Ghostbusters for the quality... If you take other movies in that same score range, it was very high. I think this movie, um, I think that uh, 
white critics, which there's a lot of, there are not a lot of people of color critics out there that are published, um, were grading on a curve a little bit with this movie. I think it was good. I don't want people to think I, I'm saying it's bad, because it wasn't. I would put it in the top half of my Marvel movie list for sure, but it wasn't 90 plus percent on Rotten Tomato good. <laughs> I think <coughs> movies that have such higher representation, movies that have this huge following behind them, like Wonder Woman, and now like Black Panther, you're going to have people that are scared to legitimately critique them. And yeah. like I said in my post the Nobody other day... Nobody wants to be the person that's like, like, oh, this movie that's really important to a huge group of people is not good, you know, or, well, or, or and, not great. And here's the thing, Wonder Woman and Black Panther are great movies. They're fun to watch. Wonder like there, There are holes in them that both like need to be addressed by critics, but you you can do that intelligently without taking away the movement. Right. Which I feel like we've done a good job of I agree. tonight. Um, I think Black Panther was a good movie for sure. I don't think it was as good as the Wonder Woman. The detail they put into the culture is important. They reflected they, actual tribes is. and, you know, not one person had straightened hair and you know, if you're sure. a person of color, that's a big deal. That is a very white thing to hate curls. And I think that I think culturally, yes, that's very significant. But that doesn't necessarily add to the quality of Here, the movie. Here's the thing: I think that Marvel movies are automatically inflated. Yeah. Do you think that Black Panther was better or worse than Civil War? Better. I would probably put it better than Civil War. Civil War got a 91 percent on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. So if it's better than Civil War, then you got to give it at least ninety-two. If yeah, I guess right? on that scale, so like, but that's the problem. That, so for, and that's Rotten Tomatoes, just Rotten Tomatoes, right? That's the critic score is ninety-one percent. So if anybody like me, I immediately went, yes, Black Panther's better than Civil War. Well, then I guess I have to give it a higher grade than Civil War, right? Like that's part of the problem with giving movies grades like that, and we do it, we do it. If anyone who listens, we give letter We're grades part to of movies, the problem. right? But it's because that's what the industry does, and it's a quick way to explain to somebody how you feel about a production, right? But you do have to look at it on the whole, and if all of the Marvel movies are on the same continuum, then in that case, this deserves a ninety-two at a minimum. Wow. I mean, that's a good argument, but I don't. Yeah. I don't think either of those so, movies. Like, <laughs> my point is that I don't think any of those movies but, are that. But if the critics, if right. the critics are giving Black Panther, I don't. I don't know what it's at right now. I don't. I haven't looked either. Right. I just know that we were really. We talked about how it was 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes prior to the movie's release and right. things like that on our previous podcast. I mean, it's at 97 percent right now. Yeah, okay? it'll probably so, drop a bit more. I'm sure it will. Right, but, I mean that's what happens. Yeah, but if ninety-seven percent is re- like look 90- at the movies that have ninety-seven percent. Yeah. Yes, ninety-seven percent is incredibly high, and no, it's probably not ninety-seven percent. There were some technical issues with it. There were some plot issues with it. I love the movie. It is not a perfect film. Uh, you can love movies that aren't yeah. perfect films. I don't. Oh, I, I don't do. think any of us have right. said that you don't, you can't like or enjoy or love the, the movie. The other two have made us critique our favorite films before we've had to go back and talk about you know the problems with ghostbusters the problems with wizard of oz the problems with star trek we've all had to do that before. Uh, i don't know what you're talking about yeah i was gonna say i don't think i remember us talking about ghostbusters problems but whatever yeah, whatever okay. ghost scene that was important to the movie but, but part of the reason we do this one of the reasons i like doing this is after we have one of these episodes my opinion on the movie is usually different than it was when we started. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is a great example because I didn't well, really care for it. Both ways. And then we talked, and I love it now. <laughs> yeah. 
It, like I said, it yes. swung both ways. Like most of the time, I walk away and I'm like, "Damn, that movie sucks." <laughs> <laughs> but like Black Panther, like I loved it going into this conversation, and I'm now more aware of some of its flaws. I still think it gets an A rating from me, though, and that's based on other movies that I've given ratings to recently. My scale is not not perfect either. I am trying to rate my movies based on how I enjoy them during the film. If I enjoy the the entire process just watching it, I'm going to try and rate it on that. I'm going to try and not let you negative Nancy's bring me down. I don't know. Suicide Squad <laughs> comes to mind because I, I remember giving Suicide Squad a fairly high grade. Oh my god, he totally did. And then we rewatched it, it recently. So and it is so much worse than I remember. So... <laughs> So I think, you know, you hype yourself up for stuff, though, right? Like, yeah. you know, you... Look, I don't think any of us goes into a movie and wanting it to be bad, because we're paying good money to see these movies, right? right? Yeah. Well, we, especially that one. Right? I mean, yeah. You know, you're seeing it opening weekend or something like that. Like, I think if it was up to us, every movie would just be fantastic all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to show up here and be like, it was the worst movie ever! <laughs> don't worry, that's why I'm here, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Ryan's role here. Uh, but... He critiques things a little too harshly. Derek's hey, a little, a little too harshly. It's it's a, on your well, scale. I critique things just harshly enough. Just Sometimes I'm even nice to things. It depends. I, I was pretty. I truly adore our friendship. <laughs> I, I was pretty harsh on Homecoming. I'm a little sick. That's of because Spider-Man. you don't like Spider-Man. I'm so sick of Spider-Man. It's not because you actually wanted. To I'm so sick of Spider-Man. Well, with Homecoming, I just watched it a couple nights ago for the second time. Uh, well, the first time since theaters, and I had the exact same experience that I had when I watched it in theaters, and that's... That's because you didn't talk movie. about it on a podcast. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's, uh, but that's my, that's my standard for what a good movie is, is if I, if, if I watch it, I have the same experience, because the big it's screen can kind of hypnotize you into thinking that it's better. Or, You're right. Or I enjoyed watching Wolverine Origins in theaters. Now, granted, I was a youngin'. This was a while ago. <laughs> but I had fun I don't watching think that's a good that. Excuse. I mean, when I was 10, I liked The Phantom Menace, but you know. <laughs> or 12, I was 12. But those pod racers, those are cool. Uh, anyway, alright, so we are way out of time here. Yeah, we're just blabbering. So let's go around and give kind of just your final greater percentage what you would give this film, knowing that it is an imperfect system and it's a personal preference about you as a movie watcher. Ryan, do you want to go first? I can, sure. I, um, I think that you can tell Ryan Coogler's influence in the movie, and that disappointed me a lot. Um, and there's there's just the plethora of problems that I brought up. I'm probably going to put it, I think, a B or a B minus somewhere in there. I think it's a solid, solid Marvel movie, but it's not like so good to transcend a genre like Winter Soldier, maybe. It's probably the best MCU movie, that's an example. Or Dark Knight. Uh, something like that. It wasn't that level, but it yeah. was an enjoyable Marvel movie in the top half of my Marvel Marvel movies list for sure. Um, I would say A minus. I think they did a really good job. They could have done so many things wrong, and they really could have made it seem like a black exploitation film, and they did not at all. Um, I liked the treatment. Um, yeah, I I say A minus on that. I'm gonna agree. This is a not on tomato scale, by the way. Yeah, not... <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I reserve judgment until I've seen it on DVD a couple of times. No, yeah. no I'm going to agree. I, I mean, just based on feminism alone, like it was 
fantastic to see all these female characters and not not one is a damsel there's no one that's only a love interest and you know she as cool as Peggy Carter was you know she was also all by herself and it mm-hmm. would have been nice to have like three or four Peggy Carters in one movie so I'm, that would have been confusing I'm, I think. stop it <laughs> you stop it right now okay I'm done you go I'm sorry no it's your turn it's fine <laughs> It's fine. I'm sorry. I'm no, he's interrupting. The right there. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I also uh, would give it an A minus as well. Um, of course, I've only seen it the one time, so some of the technical things that you guys mentioned, I, I just missed. Um, but as far as the MCU goes, I think it was a tighter movie than most. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying it's the best Winter Soldier. I do agree is the best MCU film, and I wouldn't put it on the same level as that or The Dark Knight or, or necessarily even Logan. Um, but you know, I do think it's definitely a top, top, a top MCU film. Um, you know, where it ranks, I'd have to think about, but definitely in the top half of the MCU, that's, that's an easy thing to say. So, um, let us know what you guys think of Black Panther. If we are just totally wrong and you want to yell at us, you're welcome to do so. Um, you can find us at heroespodcasts.com and at heroespodcasts on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Mike, where can people find you? The World of Weave, my blog. Um, if you go to that, it's uh, World of Weave at WordPress. And if you go there, you can find my Twitter feed, which I don't do much with, but you can find my Facebook page. Uh, but that's that's primarily where I am. But you blog there, so you got lots of blog stuff, so yes. which is awesome. Thank you for, for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, Ryan, you are at Buster Props. Yep. Ray, you are at Siren Ray. Totes. And I am the Star Trek Dude. We will be back next week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, one final note for those who are watching this. I'm sorry that the video cut out. I know the audio is still working. We were using a brand new camera, and apparently it went to sleep on us in the middle. So I apologize. We will fix that for next time. We all got more attractive after the feed cut out. I just clearly fix yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, all my hair grew oh, back and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.